Welcome to everyone this morning, and especially if you're a guest with us today, we are very happy to have you in service with us. Thank you so much for being here. We pray and trust that the power of God touches your life today. We know that God is interested in every single one of us. Amen. If you're watching us online, we welcome you as a part of this service today and pray that you are blessed by it in Jesus' name. I want to welcome, it's good to have our brother and sister-in-law and niece visiting from Chesapeake, Virginia, the Strites, which some of you know they were a part of Antioch for years. In fact, I, I hate to give this away, but Brother Strite was my wife and I's youth pastor for a little while, so yeah, um, but it was good to have them. Brother Strite attended the academy, and they were part of us, and so it's good to have them today up celebrating William's second birthday. Amen. Praise God. Would you stand? kind of funny last night watching all of y'all kind of gun shy when Bishop announced his verses. Brother Isaac jumped right up and then sat right back down. And then I watched a few of you others start to gradually, cautiously pop up. So <laughs> some of you have no idea what that means and that's fine. Second Kings chapter 4. I want to encourage you, if you have missed over the last couple of weeks, if you have missed any um, of the things that have been provided, the scripture readings, the Tuesday videos, the message series, Brother Woodward, the songs, um, and uh, even the devotionals on Saturday, I always feel kind of odd promoting myself. But I, I'm encouraging you not to just go, oh man, I missed it. I'm encouraging you to, if you did miss anything, to go back. And uh, if you need any help getting access to those or where to find that material, we are more than willing to help direct you there. But um, everything to me has just been, uh, not sure about the Saturdays, but everything else I think has been phenomenal. And um, these, these messages, these um, video recordings from folks that have been here in the past and ministered and have been just absolutely spot on. And um, Brother Hurt will be the one um, doing the video for this week. And so uh, that will come out on Tuesday evening. So again, today, as has already been alluded to, we are beginning this week with our focus of engaging the power of God. 2 Kings chapter 4, beginning with verse number 1. Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. And thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me what hast thou in the house. This, this is not the message for this morning, but I want to tell somebody, 
God's not interested in what you don't have. God's not bothered by what you don't have. God just needs you to take what you do have and make it available to Him. The multitude had gathered and Jesus was teaching and the disciples said, Lord, they're hungry. You need to send them away because we don't have the means to feed them. And the Lord said, bring me what you have. And the only thing they had was a little boy had brought a lunch that day, a couple of rolls and a couple of small fishes, the scripture says. And from a little boy's lunch, Jesus fed 5,000 plus people and there was 12 baskets left over. And everybody ate until they were full. So Elisha says, what do you have? Tell me what you have in your house. And she said, thine handmaid hath not anything in the house save a pot. Somebody say a pot. A pot of oil. Then he said, go borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon upon thee, And upon thy sons, and shalt pour into all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him, and shut the door upon her, and upon her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. And it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel, and he said unto her, There is not a vessel more, and the oil stayed. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil, and pay the debt, and live thou and thy children of the rest. And there's so many different things you could preach from this passage. He said, I want you to sell the oil and take care of your debt, but it's not just going to take care of your debt going to take care of your debt, but then there's going to be enough for you to live off the rest. Jesus' name. Father, thank you for the privilege of being in your presence again today. Thank you for your spirit that has already been moving and working in this service this morning. Thank you for the lives you have already touched in this place today. God, as we embark upon this next week of focusing on engaging in your power, I pray that your spirit would speak to us this morning, God. I pray that this would not be a sermon to just go along with a theme, but you would let me deliver a message that would come from you today. I trust you today. I depend upon you for your anointing. I acknowledge, Lord, that without you, I can do nothing. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. What a very amazing story. Widow woman with debts to pay and no means to pay those debts. Goes to the man of God and tells him her situation. He responds, what is it that you have? What do you have available she says, I, I have a pot of oil. A pot of oil. I, I 
don't know, and perhaps if you dug all into this verse, you could find it out, but I would, I would assume that a pot of oil was not a barrel of oil. In fact, and I will read it to you a little bit later, there is a place in Scripture where it refers to a barrel. But here is a pot. A pot of oil. A limited supply. In one aspect, I would venture to say a small supply. All I have is a pot of oil. And then he gives her some really odd instructions. He says, I want you to go and I want you to gather every vessel you can get. I want you to get every container possible and bring it into your house. And then when you bring it into your house, I want you to take the oil that's in the pot and begin to fill the vessels. Can you imagine the questions? The thoughts that immediately began to go through her mind when given those instructions. Why should I go get a bunch of vessels when I only have a pot of oil? Sometimes it's our brains that cheat us out of our miracle. It's not the devil. It's not the adversary. It's us. Thankfully, sometimes God pushes past our arguments. That's what happened with Mary when the angel came to Mary to tell her that she was the one chosen by God to bear the Messiah. She begins to argue with the angel and say, there's no way this can happen. This is impossible. And, and, and thankfully, the angel didn't just walk away and say, fine, I'll go someplace else. But he continued on and then finally Mary responds and simply says, be it unto me according to your word. I don't know, I don't think every story in the Bible tells us every single detail of the scenario. I don't think we get every single thing that was said. I don't think we know everything that was thought. We get a glimpse of a lot of things. So I I don't know, maybe there was some dialogue that took place between her and the man of God as to why should I do that. It doesn't tell us that. And I would say that it implies that she simply went and did what he says, I, I, would su- I would suppose that she did that because she went to the prophet. She went with faith and confidence. If I can get to the man of God, he's going to tell me what to do. And so it may not make sense. It may not be logical to me. But whatever he says do, I'm going to do. She begins to gather and her sons begin to gather every vessel they could find. To the point that she's telling them to get more and they say there's, there's not any more. And from one pot of oil, she pours and fills every single vessel. And then she goes back to the man of God after she's done what he's instructed her to do. And he now says, go and sell the oil. When you sell the oil, you're going to be able to pay your debt and then there's going to be enough for you to live off of. I I want you to notice something else here. He did not give her every step from the very beginning. All he said was, go get every vessel and fill it. 
I don't know, I guess maybe she could have imagined or surmised what it was he was getting at for that, for telling her to go. But, but he didn't tell her until she had obeyed. I believe that I'm preaching to some people this morning that God has given you a step or God has given you a couple of steps but He has not told you every detail of what to do and what He's going to do. And some of you are sitting and waiting on God to give you the rest of the instructions before you start moving and God is waiting on you to obey what He's already told you before He tells you the rest of what to do. Oh, how, I know y'all, y'all probably thought, you know, well, we're just going to hang from the fans this morning and the, and the, uh, the, uh, video cameras. You know, they, they figuratively say hang from the chandeliers. We don't have chandeliers. So I wouldn't be surprised if some of you came in this morning with your guard up a little bit. Well, I guarantee your pastor's going to hype us up today about the power of God. No, actually not. I mean, bottom line is if you got to get hyped up about the power of God, you got a problem. I mean, why wouldn't you be hyped up about the power of God? Why wouldn't you be excited about the power of God? Why wouldn't you already be excited about the one who said, let there be light and there was light? Why wouldn't you already be excited about the one that told a man with a rod to stand with with it up over a Red Sea and watch that water part and a million plus people walk through on dry ground. Why wouldn't you already be excited about a God that caused a bunch of lions to keep their mouths shut while a man was thrown in there for their dinner? Why wouldn't you already be excited about three Hebrew children that were in a fiery furnace and came out on the other side and didn't even smell like smoke? Why wouldn't you already be excited about a man that was in the grave for four days and Jesus said roll away the stone and Lazarus came forth resurrected why would you already be excited about a man getting out of a boat and walking on water because if he did it before he can do it again And he may not do the same thing again, but he can do whatever I need. So if I need to hype you up about the power of God, you just must not know anything about the power of God. God, what, 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 what? God's going to, I told you. Do this. Do what I say. I know our humanity, we want to know everything in advance. Let me tell you something. We wouldn't be sitting here today if two people hadn't been willing. That when God said go, they said okay. Not knowing everything that they would face. Not knowing every answer to every question they would have. You think God's going to do any different with you and I? Go get every vessel. She did that. She obeyed. Pours the oil. You imagine, I would, I would suspect that the first pot, the first vessel she began to pour in, 
There was an anxiousness looking at all of the vessels that were now in her house, thinking, <laughs> I got enough for maybe a couple of the vessels that are here. And, 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 and as, she, as she poured into each vessel and looked again, I would venture to say that there became a point where there was a shift, that it was no longer worrying about having enough for the next vessel, but it was an excitement to say, every time I fill a vessel, there's another supply. Every time I fill a vessel, there's more than enough for the next vessel. I don't know what you're facing today. God may give you just enough to get through it, but He's got enough for the next thing you're going to face. He may just give you enough to get by today, but He's got enough for tomorrow. Morning by morning, new mercy I see. When I got saved, I didn't give all, I didn't get all the mercy I needed in one big dose. Every morning I wake up, I can get new mercy. Great is thy faithfulness. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The oil stayed and she came and told the man of God and he said, All right, now that you've done what I've told you to do, here's the next step. Go and sell all that oil. Pay for your debts and live off the rest. Actually, look at, can you put that verse back up there? 2 Kings 4, 7. He says, For her and her children, to live off of the rest. I'm going to tell you, I've said it before, I'll say it again today. I'm living off of some things that came from those before me. There's some young people that are second generation apostolics now that you are now beginning to live off of. He said, I'm going to give enough for you, but I'm also going to give enough for your children. And you're going to live off of it. There are so many amazing things in these seven verses. There are so many exciting things to focus on, but there's one thing I want to focus on today. It's not the oil. It's not the woman and what she did. It's not the fact that there was enough oil for every vessel. But I think one of the most significant things in this story is the vessels. Just the vessels. It's not the miraculous multiplication of the oil. It's just the vessels. Because as long as there were vessels available for oil, there was a supply of oil. I believe no matter how many vessels they would have been able to have obtained. I mean, I could just imagine if it was 2021. You came to me, and that's what God told me to tell you to do. You'd go to Goodwill, Salvation Army. You'd hit up some yard sales. You'd have all... My Elizabeth Elizabeth brought... She was getting vases and stuff from all kinds of places at Christmas time. Pre-Christmas. Painting them. I mean, we had... At one point, we had them all over the table. 
I, I can't imagine how many. I, I would imagine that in that house, every available space was used. Where else can we put another vessel? Where else can we place another vessel? Some of you think I'm about to preach about the lost. That you, you, you're not, I'm, that's not where I'm going this morning. As long as there was an available vessel, there was a supply of oil. I've come to challenge Antioch Central today as we go into this week of engaging the power of God. That God is looking for vessels. He needs vessels. He needs vessels to pour into so that He can then pour out of. He's not looking for vessels that are willing to contain it all and keep it in. But God is needing some vessels to pour His power into so that He can pour His power out of. I preached last Sunday, I think it was Sunday night, how shall they hear without a preacher? God always needs a vessel. Yeah, there are a few times I think throughout Scripture we can find God did some things all by Himself. But we can find there's a lot of places and a lot of ways in which God restricted Himself to need a vessel. The most significant thing that can happen in any of our lives, the plan of salvation, cannot be experienced alone. You can repent on your own. You can get the Holy Ghost all by yourself, but you can't baptize yourself. You need somebody. I have heard of one story. In fact, it's Brother William Parent, who was part of our board of trustees for years. I believe it was his father was in New Brunswick, Canada, and he was studying the Scripture and saw what the Scripture said about baptism, and he had nobody to baptize him, and so he went to the water, and I forget exactly how he did it, but uh, somehow he went to the water, and basically he said, God, I'm asking you to take this as my as my act of faith until somebody. Because God needs a vessel. Let me give you the punchline of engaging His power this week. It's not about you and I engaging His power to make our lives better. It's not about engaging His power so that our bank accounts can be overflowing. It's not about engaging His power so that we can get rid of all the pain that's in our body. It's not about engaging His power so that our families don't have any problems or issues. It's about engaging His power because of the purpose that we talked about last week. You will never experience the level of the power of God like you will when it's not about you. It's about somebody else. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 7, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. The Amplified says it this way, However, we possess this precious treasure, the divine light of the gospel in frail human vessels of earth, that the grandeur and exceeding greatness of the power may be shown to be from God and not from ourselves. 
The Living Bible says it like this, this precious treasure, this light and power that now shine within us is held in a perishable container that is in our weak bodies. Everyone can see that the glorious power within must be from God and is not our own. And then the Message Bible says it this way, if you only look at us, if you only look at us, you might well miss the brightness. I appreciate every one of these members of the worship team. Some are on the worship team that weren't on the schedule this morning. All of these singers, every one of these musicians, and in my opinion, I think they are extremely talented. They're great singers. They're great musicians. I think I, I'm, I'm as proud as their pastor of them as anybody else. I wouldn't trade them. But at the end of the day, the appeal is not the talent of the singers and the talent of the musicians. The thing that separates them is the anointing. Sometimes if all you're doing is looking at what you can see, you might miss the brightness because we carry this precious message around in, un in the unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives. That's to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. That word vessel in the King James is interesting Yes, of course, it basically can mean a, a, a vessel in the context, but, but it also, in fact, the, the first, according to Strong's, the first meaning of the word vessel is something prepared. Something prepared. Oh, hallelujah. Something prepared. That means the vessel was not created for the sake of the vessel. The vessel was not made simply for the vessel. It was made for something else. What a wonderful service we had last night at Antioch United. It wasn't streamed live. If you missed it and you'd like to watch it, hear it, it's, 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 uh, we, we can get you access to it. But I don't know if it's going to be uh, posted publicly or not. I don't think it is, actually. So if you're interested, you'll have to let us know. and We'll have to make arrangements. But we got to singing some oldies at the end. Some of those good old songs. And I think there's good new songs. All the old folks said amen to the old ones, and then all the young folks just said amen to the new ones. <laughs> the funny thing is, what the old ones forget is that you sang things that were new. Let me not get... We ought to have... I think as the top priority, I don't want to get into some theological debate with you here this morning, but I think it, if not the top priority, one of the top priorities of our lives should be wanting to make it to heaven, to see Jesus. My dad said it the other day, I think it was, we were at, I think it was when we were at his house for his birthday, family birthday dinner. I, what do you think, how do you think Jesus feels about all these people looking forward to getting to heaven to see their loved ones? Oh, I can't wait to get to heaven and go see my grandmother again. Wait a minute. What about the one that died for you? 
I mean, your grandmother's just a bonus. What a day. That old song says, what a day that will be. Not when my grandma I shall see. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon His face, I kind of have a feeling for those that are down here looking forward to seeing relatives, when you actually do get there, something's going to change. You go, wait a minute, you know what? I hope my relatives are here, but I want to see the one that died for me. I want to see the one that saved me. I want to see the one that kept me. I want to see the one that blessed me. I'll see all those others later. I got all eternity to see them I just want to see Jesus so we should want to get to heaven but I'm telling you at the top of your list of priorities should be what is it that I am prepared for what is it that I am a prepared vessel what is it that God created me for we focused last week on purpose and every single person that's born has a God given purpose there's probably somebody in this room today that at some point have heard your parents tell you you were a mistake. They weren't planning on you. You were a mistake. Can I tell you, there may be humans that are dumb enough to say that. But at the end of the day, most of the kids are out of here so I can speak a little more plainly. People have sex every day and don't get pregnant. So you may have been having sex, not trying to get pregnant, and had a... Pregnancy come out of it unexpected. But for a life to be formed, God decided. God decided. God decided for a life to come into existence. And I don't care if your parents planned on you or not, but according to my Bible, even before the world was ever even created, God already decided on the day you were going to be born. Oh, hallelujah. I might, I just might be, I might have to go on the longer side of our average of preaching today. Some of y'all can't wait to get to lunch to break your fast. So we might have to just drag. Some of y'all been going dinner to dinner and you're about to go eat lunch. I don't know how you're switching to lunch today when you've been going dinner to dinner. Some of you probably ate breakfast. I'm just kidding. Although I was thinking this morning when they were talking about celebrating the fast being up, you know, Prophet, I think it was Elijah, told his servant to go up and look. He said, go again. Go again. I'm almost thinking we might need to go seven more days. The way some of y'all shouting about it being over. That's all right. For clarification, some of you, I think, have wondered, whenever you do choose to eat this afternoon, that's basically the conclusion. Unless, and I mean this very sincerely, Unless God is prompting you to continue. Although if He's prompting you to continue, He's not prompting you to tell everybody on Facebook you're continuing. It's one thing when all of us are fasting together to talk about fasting. It's another thing when God has instructed you personally to fast and you talk about fasting. You got your reward. Just so y'all know, I don't even see the runway yet this morning. If you were here last week, you'll 
We have this treasure. I got it. You know, we're, we're about to build that foyer. Hopefully, if you see that little pile that's out in the middle of the gravel out there, they had to do a perk test, and so we're hopefully. So I, I'm, I'm going to do a fundraiser for that new building this morning. I'm going to auction off this bottle. How much do you think I'm going to get for it? $20,000? That's not the analogy, Brother Lewis. Sorry. Let me ask you a question. Forget that fundraising part. What what is this worth to? What would this be worth to you right now? If this was your why? It's an earthen vessel. The value of the bottle is the contents. So right now I could not get you to give me a nickel for this. But I got a question. If you were in the middle of a desert and you'd been going a couple of days without something to drink, how much would this one be worth? I don't know why any of no offense, I'm trying to, the two guys I just heard, they know I love them, I'm not being mean, but I don't know why you're saying of numerical value. If you're dying of thirst... There is no numerical value to place on this. You will come up with, you would mortgage everything you had. Why? They're both, Brother Mike, there's a spirit of plastic bottle analogies going on here this week. You wouldn't give me one thing for this one. But if you were dying of thirst, and I was a mean person, I could make a fortune off of you. You see, those the value of the vessels that that woman collected was not the vessel. It was what was going to get put in to the vessel. You and I, our val- I'm not going to tell you you're not worth anything because Jesus died for something that's worth something. Get into a debate if you want to, but this prayer of, you know, God, I I am nothing without you. I don't think it's biblical. It is biblical. You can do nothing without. But when you say, I am nothing without you, then what you're telling Him is, you died for nothing. Now, I don't derive my worth and my value from me, but He didn't die for nothing. He died... So I could be a container and have this precious treasure in an earthen vessel. Who knows what happened to the vessels after they were sold and the oil was used. Because it was the oil that was the focus. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2 and 1. By the way, you know what? I hate drinking water. Some of y'all love drinking water. I, I, I don't like you. That's not fair. Because you're supposed to drink water. If you like to drink water, God is not fair because I don't like water and I'm supposed to drink water. Because water doesn't taste. 
However, I will tell you, all bottled water is not created equal. Don't be bringing me no Aquafina. Let's go with some Deer Park or Refresh. Isn't that what we get around here? Refresh. I take that store brand over Aquafina. That had nothing to do with the message. It was just. 1 Corinthians 2 1. I, brethren. That point was just like an old earthen vessel. Not worth anything. I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And I was, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the power of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You know what's kind of interesting to me about this is Paul actually had the natural ability to use wisdom and intellect because he was a very educated man. But Paul understood it's not about the vessel. It's not about me as the human being. It's what's in me. And that's why he said, I've come to you with the power and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost. I will acknowledge to you there are thousands of preachers that are more eloquent than I am. There are thousands of preachers that are smarter than I am. But I believe that I've got something that is just as important as eloquence and wisdom. And there's a bunch of you that have the same thing because you have a vessel that has been poured into with a precious treasure. I want you to see a contrast between being a container to hold it all in for yourself versus being a conduit for God to use. I want you to see the contrast in these two passages, Luke chapter 12 and verse 16. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully, And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. When though, then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. I got a bunch and I've got more coming. How am I going to store it all? God says you're not even going to get the chance to enjoy all that you have accumulated. But then watch this. First Kings 17 verse number 1. 
And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these three years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for then... For he went and dwelt by the the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening. And he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. God never intends for us to find a permanent place of residence. It's a journey that we are continually moving forward. And when things start to dry up where you are, it's not because God is forsakening or forsaking or abandoning you, it's because it's time to move to the next place. And it came to pass after a while the book dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. When you engage in the presence of God, and then the purpose of God, the power of God is going to be manifested through your life because of the purpose of God. I've already made arrangements for you, Elijah. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city... Now watch... I, w- I would suspect that when God told Elijah, I've got a widow waiting on you, he's probably thinking this widow woman had a rich husband. I bet she's living in a mansion and she's got all kinds of stuff. He had no idea of who the provision was coming through. When he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks, and he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. We'll go to the next verse yet. We're going there in a minute. Surely, most of you know this story, but surely the next verse, Elijah responds and says, Oh, I'm sorry. Forgive me, ma'am. I didn't realize you were in such bad shape. Go ahead and do what you were going to do. I'll figure out something else. Can you imagine 2021? If what happens in the next verse got on social media, Elijah would have been crucified. Because she says we're going to eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, 
and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and thy son. Wait a minute, did you hear what I said? There's enough for one cake for my son and I. I'm going to bake it. We're going to eat it. We're going to die. I don't have enough to make one for you and then for us to have another one. And yet the man of God said, you go ahead and do what you were going to do, but give me the first one. And look what happens as a result of her obedience. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days, and the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruse of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. Had there not been the prophet come by her house, asking for her to provide a cake for him, she would not have participated in the purpose of God for her life and she would not have experienced the power of God to sustain her and her son throughout the remainder of that famine. I preach to some people today God's given you just enough for the purpose that He's called you for and you're hanging on to it because all you see is just enough but what you don't understand is when you take what seems to be just enough and turn it over to God for His purpose. There will be more than enough. No, 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 no. She didn't go back the next time and the barrel was overflowing with meal and the cruise was overflowing with oil. Every single day there was just enough. Every single day there was more poured into the vessel to be poured out of the vessel. I don't know how many of you here today got your 401k stored up and you've got thousands and maybe hundreds of thousands in savings, but I'm going to tell you for probably 29 years now we have lived off of just enough. We came across a little bit of money years ago and Talk to an investor and, he, you know, you need, to, you need to invest this amount. You need to have me. Some of y'all got. Good thing I'm not trying to get a loan right now, Brother Benner. Some of y'all got a couple of months of mortgage stored up in case something, you have some kind of crisis. We, get, we had enough for February. And so far, I'm pretty sure we got enough for March. And there have been some times, I mean, like, God, you know, it would be nice to have, be nice to have a kind of a buffer in the savings account. In almost 29 years of marriage, there have been a couple of times that we had a buffer. One time, my wife's grandfather passed away, got a relatively sizable inheritance. I don't remember how long it sat in savings. It wasn't very long. Because God moved, I think, on my wife first, if I remember correctly. And the entire amount was given. Why? Because I'm a vessel. I don't want to be a container. Because when you are a vessel, there is a finite amount that you can contain. Uh, I know I warned some of y'all out already, but come on, Brother Barr, I know you got a couple of amens left for me. 
there is a finite amount. There is only so much that can be poured into here. But if you've got a spigot and a hose... You can hook up to that hose and you're not worrying about what if I drink this, what am I going to do? You know I am hooked up to a supply. I'm preaching to some vessels, to some containers today that God in this coming week wants you to go from being a vessel to contain to being a vessel through which He can flow. Because when God flows through you, you are no longer dealing with a finite amount. There is an infinite amount that can flow through you. Because one thing you don't have to worry about is God ever running out of enough power in your life and in my life. Can I tell somebody today, if you've been doing what you believe God's called you to do, living the way God's called you to live, doing your best to be as faithful as you can with your finances, and all you've been living off is just enough, I I come against the lie of the enemy today who causes some of you to live in condemnation because you're not rolling in dough. God must not be approving of you. Sometimes God's plan and God's will is enough. I don't like living month to month, but guess what? I've been living for 29 years on month to month. And He's never failed me. And as we sang this morning, He never will. He's always going to come through. He may not come when you want Him. He may not come how you want Him. But He'll be there right on time because He's an on-time God who said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. I will supply all of your needs according to my riches in glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The barrel never wasted. I am certain if the widow woman would have looked at the prophet that day and said, you better go someplace else. She would have eaten the last cake and died. Oh, if you're sitting here today and you've got just enough and God's saying, I want the just enough. And you're saying, well, God, when I get a little more accumulated, I'll give you what I have. When I know I can have a little bit left over, God's saying to somebody today, I need you to take me and I need you to give me what you have. Because I got a whole bunch stored up to give you. But I can't give you the rest of what I want to give you. I can't do the rest of what I want to do through you until you take what you have and release it to me. You know, it's amazing. There are people sitting in this room today. You have dreams and desires of having a nicer house, a bigger house, a bigger place to live. And you've been struggling with that dream for years and years and years. And you've got no more hope for getting it today than you did 15 years ago. What some of you have no idea of is there's people that are sitting in this place today. 
that because of a desire for the kingdom, a desire to be able to have a place to live where people could come and be ministered to, there are people in this place today where God has opened doors and God has provided in ways that didn't even seem possible. Why? Because when you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these things shall be added unto you. I I I I don't want to. I oh, I promise you. I promise you. I never, 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 never intentionally violate a confidence or something I think is in confidence. So, and I will say this as very broadly as I can, so as not to make sure I don't. But my wife and I met with Sister Judy Hunt the other day. She shared some things about her career and how where she is now. And what she's doing now. But she told us how she got there. And the way she got there, there were some times that the natural decision would have been one way. But she put God first. And when she put God first, God ended up doing some things that she could have pursued on her own, but killed herself getting there. You know what? I'm going to tell some of you today that some of the things you desire, God wants to give them. He wants you to have them. And you can either kill yourself trying to accumulate them, or you can put the kingdom first and watch God open doors in ways you never imagined to be possible. Watch God do things in your life that you're going to step back and go, it had to be God because you can't outgive God. You can't outdo God. And when you let God pour into you to pour out of you, God's going to keep pouring into you. And the beauty is when I want to be a vessel to contain it all, I've got a finite amount. But when God pours in and pours out, pours in and pours out, I get the leftovers of what He pours in. I get the leftovers of what gets poured out. You know what? In the bottom of this bottle, there's actually still a little bit of liquid. And it's been in the trash can for a couple of days. And I know a little bit of water in the bottom of this bottle might do you might not do you much good, but I'm going to tell you a little bit of the power of God. You may just have a drop left over in the vessel after you pour everything out of the vessel, but one drop is enough to say to the mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. I don't know how much of God you think it takes to meet your need, but I'm going to tell you today, it doesn't take much. ever flown into BWI, we're now out over the bay. We're about to make our way up the Severn River. Can't quite see it yet, though. Acts 28 and 1. Paul, 27. Acts 27 is is the circumstances where Paul is about to sail as a prisoner, and he says to the Captain, we, we don't need to make this journey. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a lot of trouble. And they completely ignore him. I mean, why would you listen to an unexperienced prisoner 
tell you how to run your ship. What's very interesting is when Paul said to them, we better not take this trip, there's going to be a lot of trouble. The Bible says that after Paul said that, the south wind blew softly. I think it says softly. And apparently, to the captain of that ship, the south wind was a confirmation that it would be okay to sail. Mm. I'm going to make a very slow approach up the Severn River. You better be careful because God will give you some instructions on what to do that south winds will blow to tell you, ah, you don't really need to do what. You don't need to do that. That's not that big of a deal. And they sailed, and sure enough, they were shipwrecked, and the ship was lost. So chapter 28 is right after all of that. They're in the process of being rescued. And when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita, and the barbarous people showed us no little kindness, for they kindled a fire and received us every one because of the present rain and because of the cold. I think that's what it's saying is that they didn't care if we had just been shipwrecked. They weren't being nice to us. They were just tolerating us. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. Our focus would tend to be when the viper fastens to our hand. Oh God, don't let the viper's poison kill me. Oh God, don't let me get sick and die. I think Paul was looking at a bigger picture here. Because when they saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, no doubt this man is a murderer, whom, though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not the beast. This guy is bad business. He was on a ship as a prisoner. The ship wrecked. He barely made it. Now he's been bitten by a snake. Look what Paul did. He shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Howbeit they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. But after they had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. In the same quarters were possessions of the chief men, chief man of the island whose name was Publius who received, I'm glad I wasn't born in Bible times, there's some bad names, who received us and lodged us three days courteously. And it came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and of a bloody flux to whom Paul entered in and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, others also which had disease in the island came and were healed, who also honored us with many honors. And when we departed, they laded us with such things as were necessary. You see, here's the problem. we got to change our perspective. Because our view would be the devil. 
put that viper in those sticks to kill Paul. Can I tell you today? I thank God. I thank God put the viper in the sticks because God knew there'd be a bunch of unbelieving people. There'd be a bunch of skeptical people. There'd be a bunch of people that were misinterpreting who Paul was. And so God said, I'm going to put a viper in the fire and that viper's going to latch onto you, but I just need you to shake it off. Because I'm going to use that to do something else. Can I preach to some people this morning that you still got the viper hanging on, but all you're focusing on is, oh God, get the viper off so that I can live. But if you would make up your mind, I got to get this viper off, not just so I can live, but somebody else needs to see that there is something on the inside greater than what is on the outside. Oh, Jesus. I've said it before, I'm going to say it again today. I believe that we have not seen more of the miraculous power of God in our lives, in our lifetime, because our motives are wrong. We want it for our own benefit. We want it for our own pleasure. We want it for our own gain. The Bible says, I think it was James, if I'm not mistaken. He says, you have not. Because you ask not. And when you ask, you don't get it. Because the King James says you ask amiss. You ask for the wrong reasons. And then the scripture says it. So that you can consume it upon yourselves. I believe I preached to some people today. That God has some financial blessings in store for you. But they are locked down until you change your motive. Oh, I can hear somebody. Oh, really? Okay, okay. Oh, I'll change. Okay, God, bless me so that I can be a blessing. Wink, wink, wink. Oh, God. Make me a millionaire so I can bless the kingdom. No. Because you know what? People like that aren't doing anything. I've heard, I've been told, I've had people tell me, you know. In fact, I had one person tell me. I, I'm not saying I agree with it. Now, I guess if it happened, I don't know that I'd turn it down either. But I had one lady tell me she would play in the lottery. And when she won the big one, she was going to give a bunch of it to the church. I'm going to tell you, I really didn't believe it, and it hadn't happened yet. Like I said, if it did happen and she brought it, I probably wouldn't tell her, take it back. I'm okay with building a new foyer from lottery money. Somebody's going to use it. Why not? But I can't tell you how many times I've heard people in my lifetime talk about what they're going to do when God blesses them. And you know what? Years later, they're talking about what they're going to do when God blesses them. And what they have no idea is there's people around them that keep bringing what they have. They keep bringing what they have and they give it and God gives more. And then they bring what they have and God gives more. And then they bring what they have and God gives more. Some of those you're sitting around looking, judging how in the world did they get what they have? 
because they weren't waiting to get what you want. They understood God needs a vessel. God needs a vessel. I've said it already. I think I said it some last week especially. But the significance of the order of these last several weeks is not chance or coincidence. I believe there is a purposeful order that God gave to this. I believe if you and I will continue to truly engage the purpose of God collectively and how that applies to us individually. How many of you heard, watched Brother Hemus's video? Was that not a huge part of the message He was supposed to be talking about engaging purpose and he was all over this week. Which was absolutely fine with me. I believe there's people in this place. There's probably some people watching online. You've been so... I want to see the power of God. I want to see the miraculous. I want to see... But if you'd be honest, the real motives for all of that is because of how it benefits you and I could get ourselves in alignment with His purpose and make our desires truly about His purpose. I believe the scripture that says, eye has not seen and ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of man the things that God has prepared. There's some precious saints in this place today. Some that are part of Antioch Central that are other places ministering either in Sunday school or other locations today that are living testimonies. That if you will live for the purpose of God, the power of God will be manifested in your life. God will provide in ways that are exceeding abundantly above what you ask or think. But I want to challenge the younger generation today. I want to challenge the 30-somethings and under today who are still having to learn. If I pour out what He poured in, is there going to be more? If I make the cake for somebody else, what am I going to do for my family? The only way you're ever going to know that He's a trustworthy God is you've got to take some steps of faith and find out for yourself that He's never lost a battle and He never will. If you think you're going to be the first person in all of humanity that God can't provide for, you have got some serious ego problems. I want you to stand. I want to give, I don't think I've fully done this yet since we've made a few changes on how we're doing things, but I feel to do, I know it's almost 12 o'clock, I know. If you really need to go, want to go, you can go. Thank you, Brother Tony. Y'all, I love, Brother Tony is such a blessing. I'm going to tell on Brother Tony. One of the things in the last several months that Brother Tony said has been such a blessing to him 
is the fact that we don't have, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, but we don't have church on the clock. I need Brother Tony to rub off on a few of you old timers. But I, I, we're almost going to take a step backward this morning to take a step forward. And I know we focused this past week on engaging in the purpose of God. But I'm going to ask some people this morning to step out of your seat. Make your way down to this altar as a demonstration to God to say, God, I'm presenting myself to you to be fully engaged in your purpose so that your power can be released to work through my life. Yes, yes, yes. God will not work through you without also blessing you in some way. God will not use you without also doing some things for you. But the focus has got to be, God, I don't want to be a container and take it all in for my own benefit. I I don't want to be like that rich man that sees what I have and I just want to build bigger barns so I can store more for myself. But help me be like that widow woman that has just enough to get through today but takes what I have and lay it on the altar and watch as you multiply what seemed to be such a small, insignificant In the name of Jesus. Come on, this is between you and Him right now. This isn't one of those altar calls where somebody comes and prays for you. This isn't one of those times for somebody to come minister to you. This is between you and Him right now. In the name of Jesus. I believe with all of my heart we're about to see a greater manifestation of the power of God. I believe we're about to see God do some things we've been believing for and hoping for for years and years and decades and decades. But it's not going to come to those who are trying to be the container. It's not going to come through those that are trying to store it all up for themselves. It's going to come through those that are looking to be a conduit. Flow through me, God. Work through me, God. Use me, God. Manifest your power in my life for someone else's benefit. In the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody needs to believe it's a new season today. You get your motives right. You get the desires right. You can trust the new season. Because of God's purpose. Oh, 
Hallelujah. Come on, the Holy Ghost is doing something in this place right now. Whether you feel something or not, I'm not saying it about you. Oh, I believe somebody is entering into a transition today. Because you're changing your motives. You're changing your focus.
Some of you have been figuratively living through a winter. But springtime is coming. Some fresh life. There's some fresh life that's coming. Yeah. 